Farsene un baffo, and welcome to Shift F1, a podcast about speedy race cars. That, by the way, is Italian for to make a mustache of it. Mm. A phrase that is, that is an pulling... idiomatic expression, Drew. It is indeed, and it's pulling double duty this week because holy cow, did you see Valtteri Bottas's mustache? I didn't I know until did. the end. <laughs> I was <laughs> started when you revealed. Shocking, yeah. Was, yeah. yeah, exactly. It was like a loot box of disgust. <laughs> It's not uh, even Movember's barely started. <laughs> but uh, to make a mustache out of something is um, to not make a big deal of it. Uh, something one driver in particular this week uh, could uh, take a note from. He had something go very wrong, which we'll get into. But hey, things like that happen. Uh, I'm Drew Scanlon. Joining me, we have Danny O'Dwyer. How are you, Danny? I'm doing all right. Speaking of things going wrong, today's election day, so I'm glad to be here <laughs> with you guys before the... Uh, before the polls come in so we can talk about speedy race cars and i'm interested because it seems like we all had different feelings on how exciting or not exciting this race was uh also joining us rob zachney how are you rob uh satisfied after a weekend back at imola i am uh, i am mm. on team imola was good and i don't care who knows it <laughs> uh, if you are new to this pos- podcast, a uh, very warm welcome. And if you are new to Formula One itself, we recommend listening to our preseason primer episode, which assumes no prior F1 knowledge and explain how the sport works and who everybody is. So if you'd like to listen to that, you can go back and hit up episode 96. Also, this show is supported entirely by our audience over at patreon.com slash shift f1 where every month we release bonus podcasts and videos exclusively for our patrons uh, covering racing documentaries and films f1 video games primers for other racing series and a lot of weird things so if you'd like to support the show and get access to all of that fun stuff uh, head over to patreon.com slash shift f1 or click the link in the show notes uh what's been going on this month danny yeah, we got double double duty. We'll have a double dose of patron-exclusive podcast before the Thanksgiving break. Um, we're running a little bit behind schedule because of, uh, mostly because of new consoles, kind of <laughs> throwing a bit of a spanner in the, a wrench in the works. Um, but we have two coming up. We'll have Cars soon, the uh, Disney Pixar classic, uh, which I don't think I've actually ever seen, but I have been on the oh, ride really? in Universal Studios. Um, <laughs> so I think I know some of it. And also I have um, nephews and nieces who <laughs> badger me with it over the years. Um, mm. And we'll have another one up, which we're keeping close to our chest. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes. Then Rapunzel in December. Just uh, we're, we're pivoting. We're going to start opening up um, Disney toys on our YouTube channel as well. Just really get that, <laughs> get, that get those clicks. Uh, but yeah, of course, you get access to all the old stuff, too, if you become a patron over at patreon.com slash shift F1. Should be fun ones. Two of them this month. Indeed. Um, well, let's uh, let's just jump right into it, shall we? The Emilia Romana Grand Prix uh, not taking place in, apparently, San Marino. Danny. Oh, yeah. It's uh, okay, yeah, that was a good point of that. All this is I realized that Imola is not actually in San Marino after me talking mad about San Marino last week. I guess they just called it the San Marino Grand Prix because it's close to San Marino. <laughs> it's just maybe it was just too awkward of... to say that there were two Italian uh, Grand Prix. Right. Like maybe they maybe they were just like, yeah, this is totally a different country that we're near. <laughs> I mean, that's why we have all these weird names Tuscan for all of these. Yeah, and, yeah. They can't double it's up. Weird. It's been great. This whole year's been strange. Yes, it I has agree. been great. Yeah. It's been a weird year. Even today, even with this one, which I am I am not necessarily on this was a fun team, this was a fun race, but I'm really glad this race happened here. It was great to see uh, Imola. Imola feels like an F1 track. It doesn't feel like a track that F1 happens on every once in a while. It is it is steeped in F1 history. Um, so it was great it to be back like here. It did feel like a throwback. Yeah. It, it feels it, doesn't it? Um, well, it also shows you how wide these cars are now. Yeah, so oh, yeah. like I think two things that leaped out from the from the first is in practice it was already clear that track limits were going to be, if anything, like as big or maybe an even bigger issue than they were uh, in Portugal. Uh, just tons of lap times being deleted throughout practice and that carried over <laughs> uh, into qualifying. It was clearly driving uh, some of the drivers just absolutely around the bend, uh, which ironically is what they could not get their car around uh without <laughs> without going over uh but and i think the other thing that that caught me by surprise is 
the drivers, admittedly, drivers always say generally nice things about wherever they happen to be racing. But I was struck by how genuinely uh, pleased the drivers seem to be by racing at Imola and just the way mm-hmm. the circuit is laid out. Even if uh, eventually, like, they all sort of tipped their hand. They didn't think it would be a very good uh, circuit for overtaking. But as a circuit to race on, the circuit to drive on, they seemed to really dig it. There's something about this that uh, it seemed like it struck them as a proper racing track in a way that a lot of the uh, what was supposed to be the regular F1 calendar does not provide. And it's funny we had that we had almost the reverse issue we had in Portugal with the DRS zone here, where you you know it, remember those early years where we had like. DRS was kind of like a wild card thing for a while. When they first introduced it, nobody really knew how long the zone should be. And then they were like, should we stick a third or a second one in here? And then eventually we kind of found out where they needed to be. But both of these circuits, we've had that problem where uh, Portugal was like too powerful. And here it kind of didn't seem to work really much at all, at least at the start of the race. Um, There's a couple of instances where important overtakes did happen, but probably not just because of DRS, maybe also because something else happened. We'll get to that later. But yeah, it was a funny one. It, It didn't really... I mean, it's a pretty short DRS, in fairness, on a sort of a squiggly piece of track, too. Yeah. Well, here's how the grid shook out after the one practice session and yeah. qualifying. Uh, Valtteri Botas got pole position uh, by one-tenth over his teammate Lewis Hamilton uh, in third place. Max Verstappen, after a spark plug issue, brought his car to a halt in Q2. Mm. We got uh, another amazing pit crew operation to fix it. Um, they apparently did a 15 minute job in five wow. minutes and got him back on track with like a minute to spare. Uh, and I thought it was interesting. Brundle said something like, boy, you forget they they even have spark plugs at this point, which is kind of <laughs> true. Cause like they, they, to me, they still feel like spaceships more than they feel like cars. But I bet um, the spark cl- plug is like only made, it's made from a rare earth mineral and it costs $10,000. Right. $10, uh, in fourth place, Pierre Gasly lining up uh, beside uh, Max Verstappen. And behind them, we have Daniel Ricciardo, Alex Albon, Charles Leclerc, Daniel Kvyat, Lando Norris, and Carlos Sainz rounding out the top 10. Uh, behind them, we have Sergio Perez, Esteban Ocon, George Russell in 13th, Sebastian Vettel 14th, Lance Stroll 15th, then Gr- Roman Grosjean, Kevin Magnussen, Kimi Raikkonen, Nicholas Latifi, and Antonio Giovinazzi. Uh, like we said, a lot of unknowns here, specifically about tires, since, again, teams only had one practice session. And because F1 hasn't been here in 14 years, there's practically zero historical data for the teams, um, at least with these modern cars. Uh, Raikkonen also is the only one who has raced a Formula <laughs> One car around Imola. So uh, I guess awesome. he has a bit of an advantage. That's um, crazy. God, I can't believe Hamilton has. I can't believe... you know. It, it, 2006 I'm shocked how long it's been it's been yeah. a long time it's weird considering how well how familiar this track felt in many ways uh the top three will start on medium tires speaking of and then it's soft tires down to 10th through 10th place uh and after that everybody is mediums um except for giovanazzi who's on softs perhaps hoping to emulate uh, his teammates early charge through the field last race mm. um and if mercedes does well here they could secure the constructors championship they have to outscore red bull by 34 points which is certainly not out of the question uh you want to take us through the start danny yeah i was wondering how many of the teams were hedging their bets on a safety car too because this track is kind of like i said last week it's kind of like monza with more turns and the problem with monza is you tend to get safety cars not because of the type of turns there are but because of all the gravel. And the same thing is the case here, where cars tend to get beached when they go off, which um, is the main reason we get safety cars, because they cannot have cars going fast, um, even under a virtual safety car or waved yellows, if there's someone stuck in your path. Um, But of course, there are far more turns here, and so there's far more areas of gravel for you to get beached on. Um, So I was kind of expecting something to happen on the opening lap. It didn't happen, but there were some very big losers uh, uh, further down the pack. Um, in the front, we had a decent start from Hamilton, but in the second phase, he seemed to get bogged down and Bottas got ahead, or rather kept his lead. Um, but it allowed Max Verstappen to get the jump on Hamilton, and he got around him and led for a couple of corners before Hamilton eventually got it back, I think, before the end of the first lap. Um, 
Further back, though, we had a little bit of a spin. We had Kevin Magnuson. What had happened, basically, was Vettel had uh, either just cold tires or his nasty Ferrari he still has trouble with. Um, he had two little sort of front-left lockups on the preceding corners, had taken an, uh, a poor uh, right-hander, which put him out on the edge of the track a bit, which allowed Magnuson to get up beside him. And then Magnuson sort of stayed in the middle of the track. He didn't... He did not leave space for Sebastian, but he also didn't leave space for a Sebastian who had locked up on the previous two turns to not lock up again, which is what he did, hitting Kevin Magnussen, who had left him absolutely no space, um, uh, and unfortunately uh, spun around. Took him a long time to recover the car. I'm not exactly sure what happened. He was kind of beached. I think he had to turn the car off or something, but by the time he got it started again, there were, I don't know, 40 seconds down the road, it felt like. Um, so that sucked for him. And then the other thing that happened was uh, Stroll at the back got his uh, wing clean taken off almost by a Renault, um, but I don't think it was Ricardo. must have been Ocon. Yeah, it was Ocon. Yeah, um, and which led to him uh, pitting uh, immediately on the first lap. So not great for him and not great for Magnussen. Yeah, um, I think it was uh, Verstappen that stayed ahead of Lewis, uh, at least for, you know, uh, opening a few dozen laps here. Mm. Um, and Giovinazzi had a heck of a start. He was up to 14th from 20th, I think, by the end of lap wow. one or two. Um, but yeah, uh, surprising lack of big accidents in these first couple of laps because boy, that track looks tight with all these Doesn't huge it? cars. If it, sometimes it feels if it, it it has this effect of looking like it's getting it's like a like a Tim Burton house. It looks like it's getting <laughs> narrow and narrower as you get yeah. to the turns. Some of the in car um, shots really did give me flashbacks to like driving around downtown Boston. Really, with just the way like right. or like when you're in places where like it's it's a two lane road, but it's not like a two lane road the way it has like what that means in California versus what it means out east where it's like just wide enough for two cars and at times they're kind of just expecting uh you'll kind of interleave the cars uh so that you <laughs> yeah, can sort of yeah. squeeze through it looked um <laughs> like i think the the external shots didn't look as bad but like you get the you get the in-car shots and like it felt like a very harrowing drive yeah even on the straight like you think how wide straights are these days especially on the new tracks like we've had cars going three abreast like yeah, God, you struggle to get three three cars to even fit three abreast on this on this one. It was yeah. it was very very tight. Um, lap nine, I would call the first UG of the race. Yeah. Uh, Pierre Gasly retires due to what his engineer calls a terminal situation on the car. He was running in fifth place after qualifying fourth. Uh, apparently, a weld failed in the radiator, and they w- lost water pressure. Oh, so that's, that's what it was. Something. Yeah. Oh, just let's fix that with a mode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, lap 18 is when the first pit stops start. The top three are Botas in first, followed by Verstappen and then Hamilton. Uh, Verstappen pits first, um, and then Botas a lap later, both going on to hard tires from their mediums. Hamilton, though, stays out. Uh, he even said, I think as Botas pitted, like, I'm still doing good. Don't mm. pit me now. Um, burn it through Botas the sky. Had priority as per Mercedes rules. Yes, he, he yeah, he Botas was, was ahead. Um, but yeah, they effectively split the Mercedes strategy here and let mm. Hamilton go for uh, a while longer. Isn't that um, interesting? That never happens the other way around. Because last week we we had, you know, some of the post-Portugal interviews were very interesting with Botas where he was just like, you know, I just couldn't manage the tires. Like, and that's what Lewis is so good at. But it's interesting how we, we we do often have Valtteri asking for the other set of tires, but we've, I can't remember the last time he said, keep me out like that. So um, Hamilton? No, no, Botas whenever, oh, Botas. Yeah. Botas whenever Hamilton goes in first, because usually it's Hamilton who has pit priority, right? And then sometimes he says, oh, stick me, you know, we'll do the opposite of Lewis. Or we just don't hear it. So... Yeah, that's true. That's true. Eh, like I, I often, I, I do feel like one of the issues with uh, Valtteri is like it goes to if you're not good on your tires, you're going to begin losing pace. And I don't think he has the room. He doesn't have the space to say just like keep me out 
Uh, mm. And especially this week's kind of a weird one because they already knew that the car, the car was damaged, right? So like, turn. I don't know when they saw it in the data that yeah. his car was carrying like half of a half of a Ferrari around underneath it. I have lap twenty two. <laughs> Yeah, I heard. Uh, the, I heard say the radio we have damage on the floor. Um, yeah. And yeah, <laughs> this is where the TV show flashes back to Vettel hitting Magnuson. Vettel's engineer says, uh, "We see no damage on the TV or in the data." And then, yeah, cut to after the race, Mercedes posts a picture on Twitter saying, uh, "Here's a piece of debris we removed from Valtteri Bottas's car," and it's just Vettel's entire end plate. It's, it's just a massive hunk of Ferrari Huge. under that car. And so they were saying, How did you, "No one like, notice." And when did it happen? Lap two. Like, it had to be. Yeah, yeah. it had yeah. to be. Because they w- surely someone would have noticed if it was out for e- more so than he knew half he a lap hit or whatever. It. He just thought oh. he'd gotten away with it. After the race, he commented. So this is where, like, him getting out ahead of Hamilton gets a little, like, it's it's, it's almost cruel. Uh, yeah. Because he gets, he, he, he gets into first, but then he whips around the track, and, like, there's just that piece of Ferrari. And he's got a choice. He can put it under his tires or you can put it under the car and he was like well i don't want to risk the tires uh so he just he just went straight over it um and usually these things don't seem to lodge but this time it did it just stuck under the car um and i don't even know what it did to the floor uh but yeah it just it didn't just... damage his wing though did it pardon didn't damage his wing though no it's it's weird that like it just Maybe it just got like sucked under really neatly and then like got wedged and that that's where the problem became. I can't imagine if it's like dangling there a little bit. It's like you would have just something generating a shit ton of drag under the car. Yeah. Um, and probably fucks up all your downforce uh, because that under tray is so important. But either way, so like this one's I think this is a race where like you can't read too much into it because the thing is like. Valtteri was clearly struggling on pace after the race. I think they estimated it was eight tenths, which makes his drive look actually mm. a little better. Um, but I think in retrospect, I think if he'd known how much damage there was, maybe his only chance at winning this might've been to stay out and just hemorrhage that time. But like, yeah, Verstappen was coming, was, was closing on him. And I think this is why he wouldn't have had the option to just stay out. Um, he was like like he was losing enough pace in clear clear air that he was starting to move the entire team into the danger zone uh mm. but i think maybe his only prayer would have been to drive like a ridiculously long stint uh out there on those tires and that would have like possibly trashed hamilton and verstappen's race but the thing he couldn't have predicted was that the hit stop timings would get all changed because of later events. Uh, but mm. yeah, I, I just think, I, I think in general though, Valtteri doesn't have the uh, Hamilton can do whatever he wants on tires. Cause his, his management of them is so good that he can call any strategy and make it work. Valtteri clearly like he drives his, he drives the wheels off the car a lot. And mm. I think that is the real reason why he doesn't get to make like run alternate strategies because after a point, he kind of closes some of those doors himself. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. He's like, he's on. He only has one strategy left by the time the call is even possible. Yeah. Uh, checking back in with Magnuson. He has not pitted by lap 27 uh, and is running in eighth place from the back of the field after that spin. Uh, Ricardo manages to get by him without too much trouble, but Magnuson puts up a fight with Leclerc and it mm. takes a few corners of close racing, but Leclerc does uh, get by. Uh, behind him, no such is, luck for Albon. Yeah, he Albon, ends up trying to get past him, right? And then he gets pushed back into Danny Kvyat. Yes, uh, a little bit. So nice little scrap between them. But Albon, and as well, Albon coming into this race, this is like put up or shut up time for Alexander Albon. And it right really now he's, is. He's not making. He's not making the quick overtakes that they so demand at Red Bull. Yeah, I think we said last episode that Red Bull was um, making a decision before Turkey. Is that right? Before Turkey, yeah. So, uh, Magnuson though, uh, pits. Yeah. That decision and, uh, might have gotten easier. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but yes, lap 29, as Rob alluded to, Esteban Ocon pulls over with a problem leading to a virtual safety car, which just so happens to be the perfect time for Lewis Hamilton to uh. capitalize on it. I feel like 
it was called and he must have been like a turn before the pit stop because he pulls in Unreal. immediately. Yeah, he um 28 seconds was the gap required to cover off Lewis. Um uh, or I think it was something around that. Lewis was on, was it, there was a 26 second gap. So he wouldn't have made, he wouldn't have uh, um, pitted out. If he pitted then, he wouldn't have made it out ahead of uh, Bottas. Um, but uh, he had, yeah, it was down to, it's a significant jump apparently because of the way the pit lane set up here. So it ends up being like 15 seconds or something. I, I way it's 10 because it's, it goes only wow. 17 for, yeah, for pitting under safety car. You lose 17 seconds versus a normal 27. And his window was closing like he was gonna have to pit yeah. soon that's yeah. it's like but that's it man you leave yourself open to the universe you you well it's, and and th- you know I, I, you, was, I know you can't account for it but you know his window is closing but that's the weird thing he still seemed like he had more he still seemed like he was comfortable extending that stint even a little further um mm. and that's like hamilton couldn't put himself in position for things just to break his way it's one of those things like right, it gets yeah. called luck and that is true to an extent but also just being able to like hold on to flexibility and keep choices yeah. in your back pocket is a huge function of uh, like putting victories together in F1. And the fact that they were able to be like, hey, how do you feel? What was that ridiculous ask they made of him? Like, how do you feel about doing another 12 or something like that? And he was like, yeah, I could do I could do I could do a lot. Um, and I feel like there's not a ton of drivers that could just like increase their stint by a third or half um, yeah. from what they're expecting. And just like that, the virtual safety car ends. Um, and then not a lot happens until Love about... Love concierge VSC. <laughs> uh, <laughs> lap 42 is the next bit in my notes here. Verstappen is still hounding Botas at this stage, who has that yeah. damage. Um, Botas makes an error, goes wide at one point into the gravel, uh, and Verstappen pounces and uses this drop-in momentum to slingshot by with DRS into second place. Um, around this time, lap 46, Magnuson reports, quote, I'm getting a massive headache from all these upshifts. It's like a kick in the head every time. That's insane. Yeah, which is a weird one. Is that torque? No, so here's, like, this was kind of my theory, and it, 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 like, Magnuson basically says this was going on. Um, so what's happening with the upshift, because that is weird. Usually it's the downshift where you get sort of slammed around a little bit more. But think about it. If your shift is slow, if your gearbox is not making clean uh, shifts, you're going to be off power for just a beat longer for a second. Yeah. Yeah. And then when the acceleration kicks back in, you're going to get that. You're going to get thrown back a little bit. And apparently like F1 cars are supposed to have a pretty smooth power curve and the shift is supposed Mm. to be pretty clean. Um, But his shifts were really slow, long enough, basically, for the car to lose enough momentum that when the power came back on, uh, it would just like rip his head back and slam him against the headrest. And dude, when that radio call came in, did he sound all right to you? He did not sound okay to me. He sounded like a guy who was getting punched drunk. Yeah, his his engineer something said something like, "Can you continue?" He's like, "I, uh, it's my job, I guess." But like, oh, wow, yeah. really? Oh, dude, that. he sounded like he like either he was really down, but it, it's tough to tell because like when somebody's having a really violent ride, their voice can sound weird, uh, sort right. of like the rebel pilots in Star Wars, where it's like <laughs> weird, buzzy, <laughs> and clicky. But like to me, he sounded like a guy who was starting to slur his words a little bit. Like he sounded like he was getting the mm. like crap kicked out of him, and I think. That like to me it was just an interesting exchange because I, I do wonder if Haas heard the same thing, which is like he sounded like he was not in a good place. Um because yeah, usually drivers want to stay out and they offered him like, Hey, are you okay to keep going? I don't think you ask that question unless you're concerned, right? And the fact that yeah. you also can't expect a driver to say, like, yeah, pull me in. I just don't uh, you know, I'm <laughs> my head hurts. That's that's tough to do in the world of F one, but I'm glad they grow John might. Yeah, uh, well, Grosjean, Grosjean has clearly like let let fly his last fuck to give. Totally. Um, but <laughs> did you see that radio with him and Russell? I think it's later in the race. No. Oh Jesus! Guy whines about everything. Russell had a great overtake. I think it was near the end, actually. Uh, it might yeah. have been Latifi, but I think you're. If oh, I'm sorry, it was the Latifi. Sorry, it was yeah. Latifi. Of course, it was Latifi. We have yeah. to get to Russell. Ooh. Leave my son uh, alone. Yeah. 
<laughs> so Haas does end up uh, retiring Magnuson's car. Um, you know, if there's something that wrong with the gearbox, I don't think it makes sense to. And he's running in last anyway, so mm. um, just to, to carry boy. Um, lap fifty one. Another, another just oh boy. <laughs> Verstappen was making the race at the front of the field interesting, but uh, yeah. that didn't last long. Because coming into that heavy braking zone ahead of the chicane, his rear right tire explodes, Kaputten. spinning him him off uh, into the gravel. Did you see how nasty those flat car. spots were? I've never seen. Yeah, it was like the tires had been flayed open. The right front, where it was just like a huge chunk of rubber that just been like ripped off. You could like reach into the tire like center <laughs> with your hand. That looked crazy. Isn't it? I'd never seen anything, and there wasn't even that. He hadn't like gone over like all that much tarmac before he hit the gravel like it was kind of like in the braking zone maybe it looked like the, the i rear. thought his suspension had failed the tires looked so bad and i do wonder like it looked so bad does an explosive yeah, like all fucked yeah does an explosive like loss of tire pressure like that basically do the same thing as a suspension braking does because mm-hmm. like yeah all the all the wheels looked like they basically just stopped spinning and just yeah. uh, basically burned through all the rubber at once. It was crazy. Uh, Red Bull believes that it was a puncture caused by debris. God. Um, but I guess, you know, in a, a heavy braking zone like that, it's enough to, you know, just <laughs> completely blow apart. Destroyed. Like he would have had, even if there wasn't gravel there, that would have been rough to try and get back to the pits. Like yeah. all of his, like three of his four tires were totally banjacked. Um, but this is when the safety car comes out and we get a bunch of pits. Uh, Mercedes actually calls Hamilton in just as he passes the pit entry. So he has to do yeah. another lap. Uh, if you watch the onboard, and I think they replayed some of this during the race. You can hear his engineer telling him um, both when the safety car came out and when Hamilton rejoined after the pit um, to watch his delta, uh, meaning and affect his speed. You're supposed to slow down under a safety car in virtual safety car, but they don't give you a speed to go. They give you a lap time to hit. So Delta, I think plus 40% refers to the, the Delta or difference between Hamilton's lap time and that of the target lap time. So it's a bizarre. uh, So if you play like the F1 games, uh, it's, it's a weird (laughs) thing because like if you're playing with like, this is not automated when the VSC comes out, you have to do your lap times plus 40%. You have to go 40% slower uh, I think it's forty percent, sixty. Yeah. Um, or you're in violation, but yeah, it, it, that's not a speed limit, and so you just kind of have to feel like your way around to what forty percent <laughs> is. And the game, you have all these sort of live aids, like showing you where where you are relative to that. Um, but yeah, it's, I think they it's do a, too. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I I would assume they've got. But does it tell you immediately, like when you, when your I think, delta? Is... I think they can project what you're going to be based on because they have not only like uh, a timing um, beam at every sector, but they have micro sectors. Like the the sectors are divided into like there's a bunch of times or a bunch mm. of timing spots. So I think my understanding is that they have some kind of indication of what they're going to hit. And so that's that's what Bono is yelling at him for. I thought it was interesting. As he exited the pits, Bono says, uh, you're racing to the second safety car line. So he can go as fast as he wants until that part of the track. And then mm. once he reaches that, Bono's like, Delta, 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 reminding Hamilton to slow down. Uh, Hamilton to, had to enough match of it that by time. that point. Yeah, and he's like, calm down, bro. Yeah. Um. Botas does pit immediately, though, but because he's more than, th- I think, 30 seconds behind Hamilton, Hamilton can still pit on the next lap and come out uh, uh, ahead. Um, Botas Do you know who is- didn't pit, though? What's that? Yeah, I'm sorry, I thought you were... Do you know who didn't pit? Danny Rick? Yeah. Yeah, so Botas is 30 seconds ahead of Perez, so he's in no danger of losing second, but Perez, who is running in third, is only nine seconds ahead of Ricardo. And he pits with 12 laps to go. Uh, he comes out in seventh place. He was running hard tires, which were 24 laps old, so not exactly ragged. So I guess they thought that everyone ahead of him would pit too. Uh, or if they didn't, that Perez's new soft tires would be able to overtake everybody and get back mm. to third. Um, but there's only 12 laps to go, and we've oh. seen this track is 
already pretty tough to pass on. Uh, DRS is no sure thing. Hamilton said it's even difficult to follow here. Um, I mean, so I mean, we had, we saw some good duels with like Kafia and Albin, right? But Kafia could never close the deal. The one time he got yeah. close, Albin was able to just sort of seamlessly cut him off because they ran out of room. So yeah, it's like like I think one reason I had a different reaction to this race is I enjoyed a lot of like the maneuvering to try to set up those attacks, but I have to like undeniably actually completing those attacks was nigh impossible unless mm. somebody was driving a wounded car. So yeah. Perez does get a little help because Norris pits, uh, moving Perez up to sixth place for the restart, but still the podium is a tall order. Uh, ahead of him are Albon in fifth, Leclerc in fourth, and Ricardo uh, in third. And just behind him is is Kvyat. Um, well, so Perez was furious about this after the race, but... Uh, like just to jump in here so he said like we threw away a podium uh and yeah. just said it was a, a huge mistake uh their technical director over at racing point andrew green uh tried to unpack like here's his justification y'all can tell me what you make of this uh the worst possible scenario for our strategy was a safety car that was not really how we were geared up unfortunately it was always going to be a difficult decision that one we were on the hard tires the car had been set up quite specifically for the long runs and for the race we were incredibly nervous about having to restart the hard tires before the safety car and i think we would have struggled so the safest thing to do and we thought the most logical thing to do was to swap him for a set of the new softer tires so that we didn't have to worry about that Thought other people might do the same, but a lot depends on how they were set up for the race. He also pointed out that a thing that happened during that safety car was also unforeseeable, but further changed the calculations you would have made about tire life. Yeah. Yeah. In another just ugh moment. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> Under safety car, the camera cuts to one George Russell, his car in pieces near a wall. Uh, Rob is uh, covering his hands with his face. <laughs> you know, his face he brought so much hands. shame on, onto his family. George, you were supposed uh, to be the one. You were going to bring. I know the balance to Williams. Uh, yeah, the replay we is haven't brutal. seen this since uh, this is uh, the reverse Grosjean because Grosjean went to the right, uh, George went to the left. He just kind of cooked the throttle a little bit. Yep. Uh, not even really like trying to warm up the tires or anything. It didn't look like maybe. I think he was. was. He had just he had just come in for hard tires, so they were new and cold. Right. But he wasn't uh, even in, in the process. Maybe he was starting okay. to warm them. But he just, yeah, bins it. His radio message was was perfect, though. He just said, I don't know what to say. <laughs> um, can we hold on one second? I just gesticulated wildly and dumped a glass of water all over the floor. Oh, shit. Um, and okay. now I have a river of water racing towards some electronics. So hold on. You're the George Russell of this podcast. No, Mina, don't. <laughs> well, now I have to keep it in. <laughs> Um, okay, so show of hands, who here has done this in a racing game? Like, oh. just totally fucked up the card trying to keep your tires warm under safety. I don't scrub the tires at all anymore in in racing games because I do this too often. Like, it scares me. It's a, it's it is a surprisingly <laughs> tricky thing to do because like you don't want to shred the tires, you want to scrub them, and part of it is also you're running power through them while you're doing these really dramatic like weaves. And it always looks really easy, um, but it is trickier than it would appear. And you'll notice a lot of F1 drivers like don't do this. And I suspect because yeah. it is so shockingly easy to do, even if, even if you know what you're doing. Yeah, he, he said on Instagram, I'll never forget this day, this mistake. I'll learn from it, be stronger for it. I'm so sorry to the whole team, no excuses. And then uh, Roman Grosjean himself re replied, man, <laughs> I know the feeling. We'll take some time to forget it. Uh, but what you do is mega keep pushing. Uh, and Hamilton, too, says, George, you were giving it your all. It's okay to make mistakes, and it's okay to feel the pain. I've made more than I can remember. You're great, bud. Keep your head up and keep pushing on to the next one. Fist bump emoji. I love uh, Toto as well. Just, just saying, you know, uh, every F1 driver uh, should crash behind the safety car, um, which <laughs> I think is, is, like, to be fair, like, it's like is, a hazing. Is there a single driver on the grid who hasn't done something just like mind-bogglingly incompetent at a certain point? Oh, but there's like, but there's something about the safety car crash that is just like such an, a self-own. Yeah, like, like uh, we still remember Grosjean in Baku. Like, it's just 
every time we pass that part of the track, I remember <laughs> the same way I remember Ricardo backing into uh, whoever it was. Was it Gorja? Mm, mm. uh, it was Kvyat, I think. But I think this is the thing. Kvyat, Kvyat, yeah. But we don't remember Ricardo as the guy who does that because Ricardo like has done enough to like largely mitigate those memories. Like right, Ricardo right. like screwing up and not checking his mirrors, like not a great move, but it's not like part of the legend of Ricardo. Grosjean, <laughs> unfortunately, like he established himself as a dude for whom binning the car under safety is just too in character for who he yeah, is. I don't think that's going to be Russell yeah. long-term, um, but no. Yeah. Uh, also, I, I do think <laughs> he's done a good job of handling the like weirdness of being a Williams driver in this era. But the fact that yeah. people are like, you know, you're setting a record for pointless races uh, in, in F1. I do feel that has gotten to him just a little bit. And so mm. he's like, he is so close to driving that Williams into the points, like really ahead of he where it should 10th. be. Yeah, but he was yeah. he was like, he was I so want to hold on to it. I might want more. And I think he's just, I, I like this. Like I think to a degree, he's also starting to try to um, force that car a little bit more than than he was like last year. Mm. I think it was it was um, Grosjean's engineer in Azerbaijan who said something like, "I think I think Ericsson hit us." Uh, and this week, Erickson on Twitter said something like, I'm no. at it again. No, did he? Oh, yeah. that's too funny. That is amazing. He's been waiting to say that joke for years. Yeah. He's been waiting for someone to do that. Uh, um, not Good one job. to be outdone. Lance Stroll also comes in and almost takes out his front Jackman. Ooh, um, is that, is that person okay? That yeah. Looks... Yeah. He's yeah. okay. Um, but man. apparently also i didn't look into this uh i just saw um um some kind of pictures floating around there were marshals or there were like cars flying by the track while marshals were on the track again oh really um canada uh, yeah i think sebastian Vettel was like why are we what's happening Um, Uh, can i do a restart please it was fun um not because of what happened at the front because they all just got away but what happened in the back with Mr. Alexander Albon, um, who's scrapping for his F1, or at least his Red Bull life. Actually, given, well, I guess the the one seat that he might occupy is still available. We'll get into it in the news. Um, but uh, uh, speaking of that seat, he is overtaken by Danny Kvyat on, I think it was turn four um, or three at the restart. Did you watch um, his, his onboard for that, Kvyat? Kvyat's no. Did he just Dude, he, throw it? Uh, like, in Racing Point's it? defense, using soft tires to overtake cars that are on old hard tires is a viable strategy because he yeah. passed Perez and Albon in the first corner and then got by Leclerc into fourth place on the same lap. Yeah, not so. Uh, Talk about that move. So he was in seventh, was it? Yeah. Um, And then but Perez, in fairness, is also basically gobbling up Albon at this stage too. He just, I don't know, he just didn't have the little window that, that Danny had. And Sainz is behind Perez, gobbling him up as well. So it looks like, at this stage, it looks like Albon is the slowest, you know. Uh, He's been the head uh, of a lot of trains this year. Yeah, he has. And it's not a great look. And it's not a look that Red Bull especially like to see. Um, Perez eventually gets around him a couple of turns uh, later. Um, Albon then coming out of that turn you know, either just trying to get back on the throttle or thinking about signs or whatever it is, um, just totally uh, overspins the tires, gets gets on the throttle a bit too hard too early and spins. Carlos Sainz does a fairly fantastic... It reminded me of Vettel in Canada that time. The Whoever it was, was it was it Massa or somebody mm-hmm. went, went through on the left side, just did a fantastic last-second job. Um, to get out of the the way and not not crash into him, um, and Albon's last. My notes are: Sainz misses him. Albon's last. That's it. That's, yeah, that's that's if 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 they were on the fence about Albon and sending him back down, that was it. <sighs> yeah, unforced I, error. It, nobody touched him. It also felt to me like the nail in the coffin. I, I I'll yeah. be surprised if Red Bull signs him. I'll be very surprised if they sign him next year. Pleasantly surprised because I like Albon, but I I don't see that organization having any more patience. It's mm. 
It's so unfortunate because, like, again, all his incidents, if you look at all his incidents in isolation, all pretty forgivable, all understandable, even this one, like, unforced error, but, like, drivers get on power a little too early and wipe their car out, cars out under these, like, sort of dense racing conditions all the time. But the body of work is, like, if, like, like basically with, with Albin, it's like, if things are going to break one way, it's going to break toward disaster. And you know what I mean? Like, it's just most of the time, yeah. like things are going to play out. Like it's going to be average results from, from Albin, but like where he's going to deviate from the norm, it's going to be in the direction of like underperformance or just outright catastrophe. And that is a mix of like, like again, to what we were talking about with Lewis, Lewis has, you know, a lot of times what we say is good luck, but he positions himself that like things have an opportunity to break his way. Albin, has generally positioned himself for things to go wrong. Um, it's uh, like he got rushed. He got rushed up there because Gasly did so badly there too. That's the that's the other thing that sucks here is that like their pipeline got weird enough that they had to just keep like rushing these guys to the front of the line um, and race this car. That car apparently, only Max knows how to drive. Yeah. Uh, yeah well, it's that's a shame. That's pretty much how it ends. Uh, Hamilton takes yet another win. Botas in second, securing for Mercedes a seventh consecutive Constructors' Championship, uh, eclipsing Ferrari's previous record of six consecutive championships. Uh, Ferrari still has the most overall, however, at 16. Williams has nine, McLaren has eight, and Lotus also has seven. Uh, Ricardo gets another podium, and this time does not forget the shoey uh, Lewis Hamilton even partakes, and there is yeah. a great shot of uh, the look of disgust on his face. Uh, yeah, he said he'd here. never do one. It was a great interview with Danny afterwards. Said he'd yeah. never do one, and then the look on uh, Danny's Danny Ricardo's face when Lewis said he'd wanted to do one. He was like the happiest little boy in Christmas morning when he yeah. could take off his other boot. <laughs> He's like, "What?" Uh, I have a quote from Hamilton from Autosport here. Uh, it definitely didn't taste great. I mean, I don't really like champagne as it is, but it definitely tastes worse. Uh, but what's positive is that Daniel's mom thinks I was a good sport, so I'm grateful Aww. for that. Uh, I think Daniel has said <laughs> once, um, I think Daniel had said that I'd once said that I'd never, would never do it. Uh, so there's a lesson, never say never. It was a good moment. Uh, behind those three, though, in fourth place, speaking of, Daniel Kvyat. A wow. clutch performance, which I think makes the decision even harder about who takes that Alvatore seat. Um, yeah, almost his fourth podium. He has three pre priors. Charles Leclerc in fifth, Sergio Perez in sixth, Sainz in seventh, uh, Norris in eighth, Raikkonen in ninth, and Giovinazzi nice. rounding out the top ten. Double points Great for Alfa weekend Romeo. for them, yeah. Uh, Nicholas Latifi in 11th, followed by wow. Sebastian Vettel. It has been one year since Sebastian Vettel has stood on a podium. It's fucking uh, Nicholas Latifi ahead of Sebastian Vettel. I thought Kvyat overtaking Leclerc in the final couple of laps was funny, but that is that is wild. Yeah. Um, Lance Stroll's in 13th, Grosjean in 14th, and Albon finished the race uh, in 15th place. Not classified were George Russell, Max Verstappen, Kevin Magnussen, Esteban Ocon, and Pierre Gasly. Uh, Grosjean also received a five-second time penalty for exceeding track limits. Right at the end, as is customary. Yeah, yeah that that bulletin cropping up as they're on their like cool down lap just killed me. Yeah. Just yeah. <laughs> yeah, Hamilton also got uh, fastest lap, um, which leaves the driver standings like a this: Lewis Hamilton with two hundred and eighty-two, Valtteri Bottas has one hundred and ninety-seven, Max Verstappen with one sixty-two. Danny Ricks in fourth with 95. Charles Leclerc still uh, in fifth place with 85 points. Perez has 82. Uh, Norris has uh, 69 points. Carlos Sainz has 65. Alex Albon has 64. Pierre Gasly has 63 in 10th place. Uh, Stroll's 11th with 57. Ocon's got 40. Kvyat's got 26. Vettel has 18. Nico Hulkenberg with 10. Uh, Kimi Räikkönen and Antonio Giovinazzi are tied with four. Roman Grosjean has two, Kevin Magnussen has one, and Nicholas Latifi and George Russell both have zero. Mercedes has secured the Constructors' Championship. 
Uh, Red Bull is in second with 226. Renault has 134. McLaren has 130. I'm sorry. Renault has 135. McLaren and Racing Point are tied with 134. So that is a very close battle for third. Mm. Um, Ferrari is in sixth with 103. Alpha Tauri has 89. Alpha Romeo has eight. Gene Haas and team have three. And Williams still has the goose egg. Should we take it to the news, everybody? Let's do it. Uh, we've already talked a lot about the driver market, I guess, throughout this this race. Um, Pierre Gasly uh, was announced right after our last podcast posted. He is being retained by AlphaTauri. Um, no comment yet about who will be joining him as a teammate there. Uh, one, Yuki Tsunoda of Formula 2 is testing for AlphaTauri this week. Do we know that Kvyat isn't keeping a seat? We we know that it has not been announced. Right. Who is yeah in that seat? We know that we don't know. Yeah. Uh, Russell and Latifi, however, have been retained by Williams. Uh, there was some question about that. Um, Raikkonen and Giovinazzi also have been retained by Alpha Romeo. Um, Giovinazzi is the only person that's ever been able to make Raikkonen smile, and he does it every week. <laughs> on every YouTube video they're involved in. The two of them are like bestos. Yeah. It's great. I love it. it. They're like the odd couple. Uh, one more driver who has not signed yet, uh, Lewis Hamilton, technically <laughs> has not signed with Mercedes, and he's being weirdly cagey about it. Uh, number, I think a, a few weeks ago he says um, he wasn't going to even talk about contract stuff until he had won the Drivers' Championship. Mm. Um, but this week he said this from Autosport I feel I would like to be here next year but there's no guarantee of that for sure there's a lot that excites me of the afterlife Whoa. Uh, so, <laughs> Lewis don't do it don't do it so, so time, much to live for so time will tell I, I the cynical side of me just says that this and the like waiting until after he's the champion are just fuel for contract negotiations yeah. like look man I could just quit, and where would you be then? Also, I have seven drivers' championships or whatever. Uh, pay me an ungodly sum. Well, uh, I'd be shocked if he doesn't sign. Speaking of them. those sums, Rob. Yeah, I mean, this is the other thing is do, like I wonder if it changes his negotiating position for 2021 and 2022 because the thing that is currently being discussed and has broad agreement from the teams. Uh, for the 2023 season is a driver salary cap of $30 million uh, for a driver. Um, Paltry. Yeah, I mean, I don't... I, what is there, What is the current uh, belief about what Lewis's contract is worth? Uh, I can look it up. Yeah, because it's not a publicly known number, right? It's just, like, no. inferred. Um, yeah, we did this a, a couple of months back, didn't we? we? We tried to look at it, and it was all very smoke and mirrorsy with each team. And that obviously doesn't take into account all the sponsorship shenanigans that goes on. So, I mean, to... All right, so just to get this out there, yes, $30 million is an ungodly amount of money. At the same time, like, usually, like, anytime you're talking about, like, a salary cap being imposed, uh, you are talking about, like, distorting the market away from the people, like, the, the stars who are sort of uh, at the, at the highest... Uh, level of their profession right like in f1 it gets murky because the the money is so funny in f1 that like it is it is difficult to know like who profits off of formula one racing arguably a lot of the teams clearly don't the manufacturer teams like they profit in a marketing sense but they're not like looking to their f1 teams to be like major profit centers uh and so it doesn't become it doesn't map neatly to the reality of um like salary caps in the, in the NFL just blatantly screw players because it depresses the entire market below what the like value of the labor of a football player is worth um and you like and you can see those numbers those numbers are are, are sort of observable um it's trickier in F1 and so i like to me it is just a little bit weird that um you know, not to say that, 
you know, there's like that the world needs tons of people making more than $30 million. Uh, but at the same time, like it does indicate that like in an open market, it is worth an even more ungodly number to have Lewis Hamilton uh, driving your car and sort of arbitrarily, you're going to say, well, you know, now the most he can make from doing that is 30 million. Um, and so I, I could sort of see him being in a position to be like, look, I'm going to be taking a haircut in 2023. Uh, so if right. you want to sign me for three years, you know, <laughs> you know, I'm not taking an actual pay cut. So pay up for the next two years and uh, then you can pay me 30 million. You'll get the uh, you get the discount. Mm. Apparently, uh, according to Forbes, Lewis Hamilton is the 13th highest paid athlete in the world with 42 million from salary and 12 million from endorsements in U.S. dollars for a total of 54 million. Number one, Roger Federer. Mm. No way. Huh. Apparently. Oh, salary slash winnings, 6.3 million. Endorsements, 100. There we go. What? Yeah, baby. Is he just done tons of commercials and markets I don't see? Like, is he just all over TV oh, in Europe? Oh, God. Yeah, he's, yeah, in Europe, he's all over TV. Yeah, yeah for sure. Huh. Yeah, I hadn't actually noticed he he isn't until you mentioned it. But yeah. And also, like, it's all super expensive shit. Like, tennis attracts a very right. bougie like audience. Golf. Like, it's all Swiss watches. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's, it's exactly that. Whereas, like, you know, your soccer guys tend to get more a bit more, like, energy drinks and boots. Looks like the highest uh, salary itself is uh, Lionel Messi with 72. There you go. Good golly. Yeah, with a publicly owned uh, football team. Fan-owned football team. Oh, w- w- really? Wait, who, who who does he play for? Barcelona. What is the actual ownership structure there? Is that like a... Is the, oh, I don't... Yeah, I actually yeah. don't know what the actual ownership structure is there. Because <laughs> right, that was like... That's what drove pay just nuts in soccer, right? Was like you had all these new ownership groups coming in with outside money. Yeah, it, was just all, it was a lot of middle... Like, it was Russian money first. It was uh, Chelsea getting bought over by yeah. Russian oligarchs. And then a lot of Middle Eastern money came through, like Man City's rise Paris Saint-Germain to brought to you by like, Saint, the Saudi yeah. royal family or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Paris Saint-Germain came back. They used to be really big, and then they had a really nasty couple of years, and then came back again. And managed to secure a bunch of really top players, um, and even like you know, my club Arsenal got an injection of cash from uh, the Cronky family, which is a, an American sports sort of uh, dynasty. So, but yeah, yeah. That, that, that inflated a lot. The problem in Spain is that you basically have two mega clubs, and then the rest of them are minnows. You know, aside from Atletico, who kind of try and buck that trend a little bit. But yeah, you've got Barcelona. Real Madrid, Atletico Darren as well, and then a lot of, yeah. you know, it's not the richest country in the world either. So the minute you leave the capitals, capital, capitals, depending on who you talk to. But I just, um, I, I think the comparison gets a little like, uh, if you look at like a US like fr- sports franchises, you know, you'd say, okay, well, these athletes are ridiculously overpaid. Yes, but they are like literally being paid by people who are worth like billions and billions of dollars uh, who are like sort of pinching millions uh, here and there. Um, to to sort of make sure the teams are a bigger profit center. I don't know what the F one financials are like. Certainly, it, certainly the suggestion is that, um, with the exception of a couple very lucky teams, like it's just not it's it's not that healthy a sport. And so, like mm-hmm. driver salaries are clear; they, they're a meaningful cost if you uh, if you compare like the budget allocated to the teams as a whole um, for for building the car and shit. Uh, you know. The, the driver is a significant portion of the overall cost of running an F1 team. So clearly cost controls were needed. Uh, clarification on uh, Barcelona. Speaking... Barcelona is a member-owned okay. club with over 144,000 members and fans are encouraged to become members. That means Barcelona is not owned outright by a single individual and decisions regarding the future of the club are made by their members. Yeah, so they vote on the president and stuff like that. They used to have no sponsorship for years and years and years and years and years. They had no sponsorship on their um, uh, jerseys and then they had a unicef there for a while and now they have an actual sponsor i think it's like rakuten or whoever speaking anyway, of high class sports danny what's the oh, latest Jesus. <laughs> okay yeah we i mean what are we calling this robo watch we call yeah <laughs> we need a sure. we need something for this robo the latest from robo watch robo watch is um they had a, a a test on which they were live streaming um i think prior to the weekend and on the second test 
This is Robo Race, the the long Sorry, yes. long touted. Uh, it was originally going to be the um, support series for Formula E, a e. driverless car racing series like robots. Autonomous, yes, they are yeah. they are driving themselves. These aren't piloted by someone who's not there. They are AI driven cars that do whatever they want and will take over racetracks around the world and subjugate human driving cars for their dark, dark desires. Um, yeah, on, well, they're not going to do that quite yet because this car fucking did a George Russell um, on the start finish stretch. <laughs> the, minute it, the minute it started its lap, it uh, took a 90-degree turn to the right and just binned it <laughs> into, the, uh, into the wall. Um, it's which, a very of course, good gift. It's a very, it's a very fun. It had done a bunch of um, uh, laps prior, I believe. It was on its second test of the day. But um, of course, if you have a robotic car that does quite a, a ridiculous crash, that's the only news that's going to come out of your day of testing. So uh, another, another rough day for the good people at Robo Race. We look forward to the uh, the series joining the world of motorsport in twenty thirty two. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and one more follow-up here, uh, Rob. Yeah, uh, so last week we talked about Max uh, speaking uh, in, a, in a pretty ugly fashion following an incident with Stroll during practice, uh, using some slurs, and he sort of tried to do some cleanup on that uh, this week, apologizing-ish uh, for, for what he'd said. He said, well, I never meant to hurt anyone in particular. I don't think they need to make it bigger than it is. I know. Th- I also know that it was not correct, but I cannot change it. Of course you learn from it, and, well, we'll do better. Um, yeah. That's about as much as I was expecting in a max, to be honest. It's <laughs> not bad. Yeah, that's... Uh, by the by the, uh, gr- by the curved grading that is a Max Verstappen <laughs> apology, uh, <laughs> then that was pretty princely of him. Uh, but... <laughs> Yeah, um, like just fundamentally nothing here is going to satisfy people who got the sense, and I think pretty correctly, that like fundamentally he didn't give a shit um, about like what is implied by the comments he made. Um, And yeah, yeah, so it's, I don't think it's going to make anyone happy. Um, It also now has escalated into a weird thing where the Mongolian government uh, is is complaining about what he said. But I like the weird thing is this is an issue of Mongolia is pissed because of the implicit racism of what he said, which is also true. But really, the actual target of his remarks were people with Down syndrome and not (laughs) Mongolians. Uh, Max is not still pissed about uh, the, the invasions of the Middle Ages. Uh, he, He is, however, just like using quick recourse to, uh, some really common, slurs you hear online um and so yeah uh our perhaps our most gamer driver uh has has been at it again <laughs> and, and is apologizing uh in in the way of extremely online people um you know for for every time the fates yeah. give us a, a lando uh they give us a max i feel sorry for lando did you see so many interviews with him he's been getting a lot of grief over the past i think over the the stroll thing he seemed pretty down with some uh, pre-weekend Ugh. interviews. I felt bad for him. And, and, and Max the Hamilton thing. Was more, was more, was more, yeah, and that, sorry, you're right. And the Hamilton thing. But, both for what he said and also um, with the Norris stuff, he was getting it from people who agreed with him and all people who didn't agree with him for taking it back. Like, he just, he couldn't seem to win. Um, Verstappen had a bit of fun on the radio this week, though he, he had a little bit of a giddy... Send it, boys, or something. When he got past <laughs> uh, Bottas, which I thought was uh, was nice. Um, um, but yeah, yeah. I just I, I long, do worry a long bit season about for those folks. Lando, just he's such a hard on the sleeve kind of guy. He's yeah. such an accessible personality, which is exciting. But this week, you got definitely a taste of. Um, I think it started to hit for him the degree to which, if you're going to be accessible that way, it's like there's this channel people can use to reach you that like you kind of can't turn off very easily. Yeah. Um, it can break bad pretty nasty, pretty, pretty fast. And it sucks. Cause like, again, nothing he said was that out of turn. Like maybe it was impolitic yeah. to say what he said about Nor- Hamilton, but it wasn't an ugly remark. It was just a kind of, of course, this is how Hamilton's peers feel about him. And it's, it yeah. definitely reminded yeah. me of that meme. And you he know, did apologize you- to him directly. 
Right. Why are you um, booing? I'm right. Uh, like there's yeah, yeah especially there's, if they're competitors. You know what I mean? It's not like a journalist say like their job yeah. is to like get in these fast cars and try and beat each other around the track. Like yeah, of course he's going to feel that way. Yeah, it's it it shows you the different like levels to which we critique these people that William Verstappen sort of half-assed. Uh, so, sorry, <laughs> we're like great job, uh, and then Naris says something even slightly out of order, and he's such a nice guy that people, um, you know, crucify him for it. So, um, uh, speaking of bad blood, oh yeah. Uh, so remember <laughs> how uh, like Taylor Swift. <laughs> It, it appeared that there might be a shotgun wedding between Red Bull and <laughs> Renault. Uh, Red Bull would really like for that not to happen. Here's their solution. Uh, they will. They could take over Honda's engine program, but obviously Red Bull doesn't want to actually pay to continue developing an engine. So what if we move the engine freeze up to 2022, and that way like Red Bull kind of has an off-the-rack solution for their engine? Mm. And so Red Bull is pushing uh, the... That they don't have to spend money to develop because the engines are frozen. Yeah. So Red Bull is trying to get this like rule just basically written in uh, via like via the FIA. Um, and Renault and Ferrari are both saying like, hell no. Um, that's just not... That's not in the cards. And particularly interesting uh cyril made a point to twist the knife a little bit um he he said red bull months ago when they were having all these like future of the sport conversations red bull didn't want engine freeze because they wanted honda to be free to do what they wanted honda did exactly that and left the sport but cyril said (laughs) if you'd asked me six months ago we would have pushed hard for an even lower cap budget to contain the cost of the chassis but also to reduce those related to the engine by accepting a freeze but red bull racing and honda were against it and we accepted it so we continued on a different path since then we have been very busy working on the 2022 engine platform if you ask me today what i think about freezing the engines my position is clearly different from the one i had six months ago i'm against freezing the engines we have no intention to stop what could be a very important platform for a platform for us. We do not accept it. Uh, there had to be just some real joy at like hoisting yeah. uh, uh, Christian with his own petard. Yeah, I, I don't I don't see that happening. Um, all right. Well, uh, real quick here. Fantasy standings um, we have from the Romana GP in third place. Um, <laughs> quote, we'll start by holding hands. From Canada. Uh, okay. <laughs> in second place, at Drubert Corgi Uno. Ooh. From America. And uh, number one, quote, when you get your f- first podium. Very cryptic this week. Yeah. Uh, in the in the race standings, in the overall standings. like they're like fake QAnon messages or something. I'm, quite, I'm, trying, I'm, not, I'm not really understanding them, but okay. Uh, third place from America, Lando Nando. In second oh, place yeah, from Ireland, I am Speed. And uh, in first place, from Canada, Americans go vote. Uh, (laughs) I guess a little late when you're hearing this, but I appreciate the effort. I wonder if that's Um, the same person who was Black Lives Matter before. They're just kind of using the platform like Lewis Hamilton. uh, No, Black Lives Matter still is in fifth place. (laughs) Oh, really? Yeah. Wow, all right. Uh, So if you'd like to hit us up uh, at the emails, you can do so at uh, shiftf1podcast at gmail.com. We've got some quick ones here, Danny. Yeah, two little shorties. I wanted to get to them because I know we didn't have time to do them last week. Uh, this one first from Will. I'm planning to attend the first race possible that I can, and I would also like to take my dad on a trip to Europe. This is Will, who only started uh, watching F1. It's a big, long email, really good email, um, because of Drive to Survive and has fallen in love with the sport this year. Um, uh, he wants to go to a non-English-speaking country, so I was wondering if you guys had any suggestions on a non-Silverstone European race. Uh, thanks so much for all the great content you produce, and hope everyone stays happy and healthy. So one each gentleman, if you had to pick one of the races to go to, and I think this is a sort of a holistic question because it's not just going to the race, it's also the you know country you're going to, the environment, the whole shebang. If you could only pick one of the European races what would it be? do you want me to go first because i've probably had to think of this already sure if i had to choose i would probably go monza maybe um rob is already nodding so i probably stole his one <laughs> i think uh italy is a country i went to later i only went there for the first time three years ago and i absolutely adored it 
uh, gorgeous scenery. Uh, food is just completely out of this world. I thought everyone was ridiculous when they said how good food tastes there, much better. You'll never have a pizza the same again. It's completely true. Um, and that circuit's wonderful. And like, think about, you know, hopefully this is a post-COVID world. Um, that circuit uh, with the Tafosi, what a great time. Um, Rob, did I steal yours? Yeah, I mean, the only for me, the only other alternative is uh, Belgium for just a, a classic racetrack. But Belgium ain't Italy. Uh, and so unless your dad is like, <laughs> I desperately want to see the battlegrounds of World War One and World War II, um, it, which, hey, you might, at yeah. which point, you know, two for one. Uh, mm-hmm. But for anyone else, I would be like, of course, go to Italy, go to Italy, see a race, eat. <laughs> uh, maybe somewhere in between is Austria. Yes. Especially because yeah, it's, it's nice and bad. small, so you might be able to see a lot of the track from wherever yeah. you are, unlike Spa. Yes, good point. Spa is very restrictive, yeah. And I'd say as an outside one, uh, I totally agree. I think those three are the, are the three in that order as well. Monza, Spa, um, uh, Austria. Um, I'd be interested about uh, uh, Catalonia, Bar- Circuit de Barcelona, Catalonia. Obviously a great city, great culture, super cool people in Spain. Uh, uh, decent track as well, uh, absolutely. And yeah, what a great what a great place to, to be in. Um, so there you go. Uh, Rob, do you want to take this one? This was something concerned us last week. I just wanted a little yeah. bit of a clarify here from Carlos. Go ahead. Just wanted to comment in regards to the spring and ride height changing conversation you guys were having recently. I believe F1 cars no longer use coil springs. I believe they use a combination of torsion bars and dampers. Yeah, so we were talking about the 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 issues with the ride height that Haas has been having where each lap or he, it seems like the the car is is undulating a bit and, and giving them a different feel so um yeah just some clarification there i also wanted to clarify the whole imola thing but we got to that earlier so <laughs> Uh, that's shiftf1 podcast at gmail.com you can also hit us up on twitter at shiftf1 podcast uh, i'm Andrew Scanlon that's at Danny O'Dwyer and at Rob Zachney uh real quick some racing around the world, Danny. What do you say? Around the world. Camping let's go. World trucks are back, at baby. the ISM Speedway in Avondale AZ for the Lucas Oil 150. Avondale. Uh, the Xfinity Series is at the Phoenix Raceway for the Desert Diamond Casino West Valley 200. Sounds great. Uh, we have DTM in Hockenheim. Oh. <laughs> uh MotoGP is uh in uh where is it? Valencia, Spain? Uh, Motocross I think I said that both Imola and the Portimao races were MotoGP. I'm so sorry. I keep I keep accidentally saying MotoGP for other motorbike races. I'm so sorry. <laughs> the MXGP is in Indonesia. Uh Super GT is at Twin Ring Motegi. Oh, that is in it. you My guessed it, Motegi. the Tochigi prefecture. <laughs> And we got NASCAR. They're also at the Phoenix Raceway in Avondale for the Arizona season finale 500. What season finale? The Bachelor? Oh yeah, you know it. It's how they decide who who becomes the Bachelor. My, or who wins favorite. the Bachelorette. I don't know how, I forget how it works. <laughs> uh, Are if they you still like doing show? that show? <laughs> in COVID? Uh, we, we will be uh, back next week for uh, uh, pre-Turkey so yeah. catch us then uh, Thanksgiving like, let's go <laughs> if you'd like to support the Perfect show timing. and get access to all of our bonus episodes you can do so at patreon.com slash shift F1 have a good race weekend everyone we will see you all next week mm-hmm.